0: Welcome to Untamed Intimacy, the show that helps you get to the core of what creates safety, love, connection, passion, and pleasure in
1: your relationship. You'll learn how to resolve conflict, communicate authentically, and rekindle passion.
0: So you can create Untamed Intimacy in your relationship.
1: I'm Ani Manian.
0: And I'm Lee Noto.
1: We're the founders of Untamed Intimacy.
0: And together we serve couples all around the world to help them create the wildest love they have ever known.
1: We believe that our relationships are the most powerful vehicles for growth and our partners are our greatest teachers.
0: If you're ready to create untamed intimacy in your relationship, then this is the podcast for you.
1: And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. And you'll be notified as soon as we drop a juicy episode.
0: And if you really love and receive value from this podcast, we'd like to ask two things. Please leave a five-star review and consider connecting with us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy and take a screenshot of your favorite episodes and share them in your stories so others can find this content too. And if you'd like to be coached live on air or have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, visit us at untamedintimacylive.com.
1: We can't wait to hear from you.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another juicy episode of Untamed Intimacy. We are going to go deep today. We're going to go in, down, all around, all the things, because I have the pleasure of talking to sister, colleague, homegirl, like friend, Joe Encarnacion, is that how you pronounce it? That's how I like yep. to say it with a little spice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you could pepper it up. You can always pepper up that last name.
0: Encarnacion.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: uh, so Joe is a relationship and life coach, empowering women to speak their truth, release their shame, and cultivate play and pleasure in their relationships so they can experience sensual bliss in their lives. Yes, girl. <laughs> I am all for that mission. Welcome. That's a beautiful
2: one, isn't it? Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful and honored to be here and excited to just actually record our conversations because so many of them, I feel like, have been ones where you're like, man, I wish that was somewhere for us to like listen back to. And now here we have one, which is going to be amazing.
0: Yeah. I'm super pumped about it. Um so I'd love for all the listeners to get to know you both personally and professionally. Tell me how you found yourself in this line of work. Like, what what was the A to B point that got you to where you are right now? Mm, I think
2: you know ultimately there is no A to B uh, in terms of how I got to where I am. But you know the short version of it was that I was working in tech at a company called Visco, and I was becoming just. Overworked and overburned out and I was 29 years old and there was a time where I was like dealing with anxiety and depression for about 18 months straight and I remember Experiencing just the same thoughts and limiting beliefs and feelings and emotions that I felt when I was 15 to 19 years old when I experienced depression back then and it was really really painful for me to re-experience that as an adult woman because my daughters at the time were nine and uh, three, and I remember thinking to myself, who am I as a woman to demand strength and courage and knowing yourself to, with my daughters and, and demand that type of like, courage and vulnerability from them when I don't even know who the fuck I'm becoming in this moment right now? Mm. And there was a moment where my eldest daughter, her name is Iris. She looked at me and she was like, mom, you look so beautiful. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm ugly and fat. And that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, I don't like who I'm becoming. It's not even about the version of me in the mirror. It's about the version I don't even recognize anymore. And so that was a pivotal moment for me because that's when I decided to take my health back and my wellness back. And the first time I think as a first time, not even I think, but the first time as an adult version of myself that was like, let me figure out what it looks like to take care of me. I've been serving my family. I've been serving my communities like throughout my first early 20s, all the way through that. And I didn't even take a minute to think about what would it look like to take care of me. It just wasn't a message that was given to me growing up as a Filipino American. And so that was the first step into my wellness journey. And from there, because I managed teams at Visco, you know, I found a love for not only you know taking back my well-being and myself, really, but then I also found a love for empowering employees. Because uh, when I was working at Visco, I was a director of community, and I managed at one point. 12 direct reports. And so I knew that in order for my teams to work efficiently, like these would have to be empowered employees. I can't micromanage them. I need to teach them what it means to use their own voice, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I got laid off in 2016, I went back to school for my health and nutrition coaching certification. And then in 2019, went back for my life coaching certification. And so... um, My A to B has like multiple stops along the way as everyone's should and so I think what it has always been is like this deep desire for people's stories and understanding their stories and helping them expand and reach their potential in whatever way shape form and for my own personal journey in terms of rediscovering what it means to be sensual intimate sexual And just really kind of come into my own vibrancy of of my sexuality uh, was when I really kind of took a step back and thought to myself, man, like if I as a strong woman was so confused about what sexuality meant for me growing up when I was like 15, what would that look like for my daughter now if I didn't reclaim that? Also, how many other women out there are probably just like me, like trapped in this whole – Life uh, and and like struggle of like what I uh, of like thinking like what are the things I wish I knew about relationships and love and pleasure when I was younger, and how could that actually be? How could that help me into the person I am today? Right. No. Mm. So, um. I need to pause one second. Chris is calling for a second.
0: <laughs> yeah. Real time. Real time. So for those of you listening, I'll just say that I. I connected with Joe on Instagram actually. And um, we became fast friends and we connected immediately on sensuality and some of the things that she was just talking about. <laughs> Alrighty. Beautiful <laughs> We're back. Yeah. I was just sharing with people how, how we met, how we connected. Mm. Um and actually I, I said Instagram, but it's actually through a dear friend of ours, Lavina. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we've,
2: we've met through so many different circles. Right? We initially, I think I was introduced to you initially through Chris and Chris, then Lavina, yep, yep. mm-hmm. And then, I mean, in a lot of ways, like social media has just a beautiful way of being able to connect with people and from all different yeah. walks of life. So <laughs> it does,
0: it does. So, okay. Oh man, there are so many directions I want to go. You mentioned sensuality. What? How has sensuality shifted for you over time? Because for as long as I've known you, I've known you in many ways. One, as a beautifully feminine woman, and two, as a woman who's out there and gets it. Like When you put your mind to something, you do it. So has that, has that sort of go-getter nature about you impacted how you view your sensuality and sexuality? and how you express that on social platforms. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I think when I think about like
2: sensuality before, I remember I remember wanting to use the term sensuality to describe sexuality because I always remembered that sensuality, at least for my own personal definition, meant uh, immersing yourself in all senses, right? Like sensuality is this uh, freedom of expression through the senses of taste, touch, color, feel, everything, like literally your entire embodiment, and so. You know, I think when it comes to how I express myself, how I show up on social media, how I um, am out there in the world and that go getter aspect of things, I think a lot of it is about embodiment. And a lot of it is about like embodiment of. Your sexuality, which, if we think about what sexuality really is, and not only is that your sexual power, but it's also, you know, home to your creative expression and your purest, most form of expression of self, then how in which way you show up should embody all of your sexual and sensual power, right? So, um, I think in the way that you put that question out there, yeah, it's totally fucking like, (laughs) it's like the fire of everything. Um, And, you know, I never, I think there was a time in my life where I definitely felt like I almost wanted to run away or shut off the intuition, mainly because you would hear so many people talk about like, oh, well, you can't really listen to your gut; you have to listen to your head, and you have to look yeah. at me, listen to things that are right or whatever. And you know, for a little bit, I was like, you know what? Let me just try that on really quick and like see how that feels because I'm getting it from all different messaging, and. I would do it and it would work okay, but then somewhere down the line, I'd feel really compressed because it wasn't me being who I was. And it wasn't me just showing up as a woman who is not here to freaking show you what perfect looks like, but I'm here to show you what imperfect looks like and what progress looks like and change and changing your mind constantly, which
0: is part of like learning how to listen to your intuition sometimes. (laughs) Hell yeah. So with that being said, Who do you know yourself to be today? And I, you know, we'll get into some of the things that you've recently shared on social media, especially around how you relate to others romantically, Mm. personally. But who is the Joe that sits here in front of us today? Mm. I think the Joe
2: that sits here in front of you today, if I were to label so things were easy for people to understand um, I would be a queer poly Filipino American woman um, if I was to look at if you were to look at me and you ask me who I am I'm a woman who happens to be I'm a human who happens to be a woman in progress is probably what I would say in terms of the statement I would I would stand behind or stand next to mm,
0: yeah girl I love how you own that and just where you're <laughs> at. So I'm sure for anybody who's listening, they're like, queer, poly, Filipino American, tell me more. <laughs> so <laughs> what is that? Me, tell me more. Tell, <laughs> tell me everything. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, so you know, part of exploring my sexuality and trying to understand who I am, and um, as a woman, and just who I am and who who I want to be as I show up in this world. In 2018, my husband and I had a really, really raw and honest conversation. And uh, John has John and I have been married now for 12 years, and he and I have been together for 17, no, 18 years, actually. And so, two years ago, he asked me, "What is the one thing that you?" you've never shared with me in our relationship. And I was like, oh shit, we're getting deep and real intimate and we're we're going there, you know. And mind you, like he and I we share all the things with each other, but in every relationship, I think it's normal for a lot of people to keep and tuck away these deep hidden secrets out of for whatever, multiple different reasons, fear, needing privacy, needing whatever, like whatever it might be, maybe just not even ready to actually share those things with that person. And for me, the biggest secret that I've kept from him was that I don't think I believe in monogamy for me. And that was, you know, not only an earth-shattering truth, but it was like, a, oh shit, what the fuck do we do with this? Since we've been in a monogamous relationship and happy with it, yeah. you know, for a good period of time, yet here is this piece uh, from my partner or myself that, like, I want to explore and I want to deeply get to know to see is this really a truth of mine or is this a thought? Is this a belief? Whatever. Whatever it might be. Is this just something that I want to experience? And in the fall of 2018, we explored all the different types of non-monogamy in a sense of just researching it mm-hmm. and exploring like what it feels like for us as we're talking and navigating through conversation with it. And the one that we found that um, actually, John was the one who helped me kind of identify that this would, might be the one that I'm more uh, identifying with in terms of like a non-monogamous lifestyle practice or identity um, is polyamory. Mm-hmm. And polyamory, by definition, is when you are involved in a intimate relationship with two or more people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I'm married to my husband, um, Jonathan, and we've been married for 12 years now in a relationship for 18 years. And I have another partner, his name is Chris, and he and I have been in a relationship for the last almost actually like two years. We're about to come up on two years. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Um, And so, you know, in that exploration of things, yes, there was like a lot of bumpiness, but when I really deeply sit in the truth of the feeling and like embody it sensually and like that deep knowing and understanding, it feels so fucking good. Like it feels (laughs) so good in my body. And the only times when it doesn't feel right is when I'm resisting it. Mm. Or when I'm like, oh, well, the rest of the world thinks I'm fucking crazy. So you know what? Like, let me let me maybe like tailor myself back and not be in like my full expression because yeah. it's a non-binary perspective of how to love and how to be in relationship. And so for a lot of people who don't understand or who've been exposed to it for the first time or maybe have never been exposed to it, it's going to be really different and or weird for them. And that's Okay. Um, it's totally okay, you know, I, I totally welcome the the differences about that. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it's like I'm I'm happiest when like the relationship's all going really well for the three of us and when I'm not doubting myself in what this relationship is or what it means like for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow. I'll, I want to get to the relationship dynamic in a mo- in a in a minute. But something, you know, I anticipate might be a place where a lot of listeners are at is in the verbal expression of a desire, a curiosity, a preference, something they're wondering about. Because I think most people never bridge the gap of being able to say, hey, I wonder what it would be like to have sex with someone outside of this relationship, or Mm -hmm. I desire X, or I have a preference for Y. So... When John asked you that question, was it real time? Like, all right, let's go. Got to just tell him. Or was there a process? Like what brought you to the, that, you know, tipping point of keeping something close to your heart and then revealing that to your partner?
2: Yeah, I mean, our relationship we've been again, we've been together for 18 years, so a long time. There's a lot of history between he and I, and we have bumped up against so we've bumped up a couple times where we have been in deep conflict with our relationship and knowing whether or not the relationship was going to work out, and it was never because of this, like hidden secret that I hadn't shared, it was because of our communication and our lack of willingness to be 100% radically transparent with each other in terms of how we feel, how we communicate, how we show up with one another. And I mean, I'm saying this and I'm saying this because a lot of relationships and a lot of women I work with, when we're talking about their communication skills and their relationships, the biggest thing that they fear is the other person's reaction. To what it might be when you express yourself when you talk about your needs when you talk about your feelings in such a vulnerable and raw way And in 2018 in summer Me and John were kind of hitting this like other moment of like disconnection in our relationship and we we both knew that it was it was clear that He hadn't been taking care of himself. He wasn't really ha- He didn't have a real deep self-care practice he was losing his identity in the relationship with us, because you know he's primarily the um, caretaker at home for our girls, uh, while I'm like more of the breadwinner role or whatever. And a lot of the communication of what we both were feeling inside about just how the dynamic was shifting and changing because there was becoming this disconnect was just things that we didn't we, we weren't really talking about. We weren't equipped to talk about it because we also were didn't know that you could talk about it. I mean, I think about so much of the language and media or culture or magazines or TV where you see couples who are together for a very long period of time and all of a sudden the messaging that you're taught is... Well, you know what? Sex is gonna go away after a couple of years, anyways. And yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna be, you know, you're not gonna have deep intimate conversations. That only happens in the beginning when everyone's really, really curious about each other. Right. And so I think for us, like we hopped on that relationship escalator and the same escalator of beliefs that were passed down to us by so many previous generations of, of well, you become complacent after 10 years of marriage, anyways. And you know, while I think John and I have always valued growth in our relationship, I don't think we ever learned to recheck it over and over again, multiple mm, years later, mm. you know, like, yeah. are we still growing? Do we still feel internally that we're doing good? Not only as an individual our growth as an individuals being nourished, but as a couple. Yeah. And so in 2018, I also said to him in like June of that year, I said, "Look, hun, like I feel like we're rubbing up against this like feeling of like wanting to be separate or separating or transitioning our relationship to something else, and I just don't want to get here. And I know that one of the reasons why we keep rubbing up to this is because we're not being 100% transparent or honest with each other about even the little things. How are you feeling today?" You know, like, yeah, even that, how are you feeling today? And if it has nothing to do with like your partner of why you're feeling bad, you don't even want to say that you're feeling shitty or you have a bad day because of fear of your partner having to emotionally labor for you. Yeah. And you don't want to bring them down. Right. So, Mm. you know, in 2018, we just basically were like, fuck it. We're going to tell the truth from here on out, no matter how hard it is. That's the commitment we're going to make to each other because, We have been in an experience, we've experienced our relationship when we haven't been vulnerable and honest and true to ourselves and have been intimate with each other in this level. And if we keep bumping up against that same pattern of not being able to be honest, we're going to keep hitting up the same pattern of us falling apart or not feeling like we're connected and not feeling like we're actually making any progress. So it was a journey to get there to the point where we were able to like actually have that conversation for sure. And I think a lot of mistakes of just seeing like what it felt like to be in positions where you're having this, I mean, in lack of like better words, but systemic issues in your own system of relationship,
0: right? So Mm. that's how it was for us. Wow. I'm, I'm so curious to hear now. So at one point you were on the one side where you weren't being fully authentic and expressed and honest in your communication. Now that you've made that commitment, and it sounds like both of you are honoring your word, what has changed for you? Like, what is the big difference now? What are you able to do differently? What are you able to see? How are you able to feel and show up in the world? Like, what was the payoff of that decision that probably seemed really, really, really challenging?
2: I mean, the payoff, honestly, for us, and we're parents, and we raise our daughters with the idea and the foundation of radical self acceptance in self and in others. Um, And we have witnessed, you know, in our house, the, I mean, we have a 16 year old girl. So our 16 year old daughter is a fiery ass like feminist young woman who's like ready to like pioneer change in the world currently right now. And it's beautiful. And then we have a 10 year old, her name is Olivia. And she is just like, I accept everybody and everybody needs to be loved and everybody has differences and we need to just work with each other's differences is the kind of mentality she has, which is amazing. So, you know, we have like that dynamic in these girls. And they live like these full, bold expressions of themselves. And I think the beauty of like being able to openly communicate in our relationship with, between John and I is like we've been able to model that, just just model that to them and for them. And so they know how to have hard conversations, and then they also know how to actually you know understand their emotions and be emotionally intelligent and emotionally aware. And I think one of the things that I've been seeing and witnessing. Um, from that is like the spread of just just like non-binary theories, right? Like this idea of being able to communicate openly, honestly, clearly, and transparently is really difficult, I think, for a lot of people to understand and, and get on, even though we want to, because of fear of what the other reaction might be and having to deal with the consequence of what that reaction might look like, right? Yeah. But the beauty with it is that if we're able to just kind of step into the courage, like, courageous act of being truly vulnerable in that capacity, then we have the ability to step into really deep human connection. And then you're able to step into truth and then unlock different levels of intimacy. And so as a mom, I have conversations with my 16-year-old daughter I never imagined me having on social justice, on race, on sexuality, on non-binary viewpoints, political issues. I'm just like blown away in the conversations that I'm able to have with her. And then her being able to have those conversations with other people. And I just see Mm. that ripple effect. And then in terms of like my life or my business, it's like, it's it's the same way that I want to show up. Like I want to be the queen of messy fucking conversations and the willingness to like just hold space for them, facilitate them, guide them, even sit back and just sit in them it is like what I want to be able to offer for the world. Cause I think it's, you know, we need to all feel safe enough to be being in our full expression of thought
1: and feels
0: mm-hmm. man. So much there, like so much, something that I've been, um, grappling with playing with exploring is exactly what you're talking about which is the ability to sit in something that feels really uncomfortable and i you know it's it's rare in my experience to come by people who are able to do that have the courage to do that have the foresight to see that that's something that could lead to greater intimacy and connection is being able to hold that space for themselves and for the other people they're in conversation or relationship with. Um, So I'm wondering with that being said, what allowed you to build that resilience to be able to do that? Are there practical takeaways that you could even share that for those who are listening can say, okay, you know what? I can do it too because I want to show up in my relationship as someone who can hold space, who can take leadership, who can have messy conversations and be a part of growth and evolution and intimacy And I don't quite know how I mean, I think first and foremost, it just goes down to
2: like Do you value those conversations in the first place? You know like understanding is bring bring yourself to a really deep like self-awareness of like yes This is what I want to have right. I want to have these deep hard conversations. I want vulnerability. I want connection I want all of that juicy shit and then also then recognizing well on on one hand, that is both a privilege and a responsibility, right? Because the other part that you need to be responsible for when you want to be able to like show up in these hard, messy conversations is the responsibility and the the deep knowing that you're probably not gonna get it right the first time and you're probably not gonna get it right all the time. Uh, yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think with that it's just like, you know, realizing and remembering that this is a messy this is the messy part of being able to show up vulnerably is that you don't know what's on the other side and that you have to be willing to be courageous enough to fall if things don't feel right. And then to also stand up when things are are feeling really fucking good too and be proud of like whatever, whatever might come up. So I think like that's like part of it. I also think like cultivating just kind of like this, um, practice after you get vulnerability hangover might be helpful too. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. what do you, like, what do you do when, oh shit, like, okay, that was really vulnerable. <laughs> do you take a pause? Do you take a minute to like back away from the conversation? Or if it's like something that you share online, you know, for whatever reason, like a blog post or anything, it, any part of creativity is a vulnerable aspect of, of, of life, right? Or And yeah, creativity is just a vulnerable aspect of human life. And so... There are moments where you might feel like you put something out there and you just got to like hide for a moment and like gather yourself before you go straight into another messy conversation.
0: Well, so I feel like you know a little bit about that, mm-hmm. given that you've put some stuff out on social media that for some people was very well received and applauded and Uh, you know, people were grateful for how you share yourself. And I know that you haven't always been received in, you know, a loving, compassionate way by others. So um, as far as like putting that out there, um, when you shared more about your relationship and your polyamorous relationship with John and Chris... Like what was that like for you and what is the relationship like now? I mean, I know what it's like, but I'd love for people to hear just <laughs> yeah. the beautiful like trifecta that is.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to run to the restroom really quick and then I'll
0: answer that. Go for it. Nice. So for those of you who are listening, um, I love having these kinds of conversations where we're talking about unconventional relationship dynamics because- so often we operate in a vacuum. We rarely reach out to others for relationship help because there is shame or there is guilt about something. And what that ends up leading to is us feeling like no one else is going through what we're going through. So I love hearing this example and how Joe has put this out there because it lets people know that other, you know, it's, it's normal and okay and safe to have these thoughts and desires and preferences and to share them with one another. And now she's going to share the results of that. So know that everything can work. Yeah. So when
2: I first shared our
0: relationship, we
2: didn't share our relationship publicly until About a year and almost two or four months into me being in a polyamorous relationship And there was a lot of reasons why one we wanted to make sure that the relationship itself between the three of us was stable um, and also like our relationship is You know, it's I don't want to say it's like unique because there's obviously other relationships out there that are similar to this But what's different about my relationship? Uh than a lot of other polyamorous relationships that we see out there is that um I'm in a relationship with, t- with, with my husband and with Chris, the two partners, but they are not in a relationship together. And so this like triangle or triad or whatever, most people refer the labeling of that type of relationship when there's three people, like it's not connected between the two of them. They're deep friends and they're like best friends, which is so endearing to see. It's probably my favorite part about the relationship, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's like in a V configuration and I'm at like the apex. So I'm definitely like the centered one in this entire thing. Um, and so, you know, one of like, because of that, you know, perspective, I think one of my biggest and greatest fears and and that we need to work through was like making sure that a, like the relationship was at a stable place that we all like felt like we, we knew that the relationship was going to persist and that everybody felt safe enough and comfortable enough with All the different potential changes or feelings and emotions that we're all gonna have to work through. Um, Because, you know, jealousy comes up. We're humans, like, we deal with jealousy still, even in a polyamorous relationship. And other things that you would never really experience in a monogamous relationship because we're not in a monogamous relationship, you know, like seeing other people, talking about our attractions to other people, wanting to talk about our desires to connect with other people. I mean, all of these are conversations that, like, I wasn't having in a monogamous relationship. At all. Yeah. And none of us were having, I mean, even though Chris has had polyamorous relationships before, me and John have never had those types of conversations. So a lot of things were just new, and we wanted to f- make sure that it was stable. And then after that, after there was some stability, we wanted to make sure that our girls knew first and foremost before we told anybody publicly. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't tell them about um, the relationship until two thousand and nineteen, December of 2019. And when we told them, you know, Chris had already been in our life for about a year already. The mm-hmm. girls have seen him come in and out of, of of our house. Like he he was like the you know cool uncle friend um, when he would come and visit and hang out, and we'd we'd go do things all together as like a group. And you know that was our way of just like warming them up to this potential other person, and and also checking their own temperature to see well do they even like this person? Like because yeah. you know I mean for me. I think I think because I knew um, I didn't I didn't anticipate myself falling deeply in love with Chris at all. That wasn't the ex- expectation I had. But because I knew I was really in love with him and had lots of love for him, and I also respect my children, I want to make sure that any person that is involved with my family is somebody that my kids feel safe with, right? And they feel a connection with. I don't care what form of connection, but just some sort of connection so that they feel safe with this person. Yeah. And so when we told him in December of 2019, my little one was like, how come I was the last no? Uh, Because, you know, her sister knew and she was just like, well, I can't judge you guys for being yourselves. Like, who am Hmm. I to judge you about who you guys like want to love? And that was like super sweet. And our 16-year-old you know, she has been exposed, like we live in the Bay Area. So she's been exposed to a bunch of different non-binary perspectives and more queer theories about everything, you know? So, you know, thankfully in terms of sharing that with her, yeah, there was a little confusion mainly because the only perspective that she's had in relationships are monogamous ones from, from before then. Same with me. You know, I've heard about like Non-monogamous relationships. I've heard about, you know, polyamory and I've heard about open relationships, but I've never experienced one myself until recently. And then we told our story publicly on our podcast in April. And that was a really beautiful experience, like of just like being able to tell it. (laughs) But it was also very frightening because it's like here you are having to share this like really deep truth of yours that you know that you want to stand firmly in, but you know is going to get so much criticism. And, and I know like for me, I'm coming from a, a place where all of my audience, all the people that I've worked with at some point have only seen me in one way. And here and I am now coming to shake their world and show them a complete different identity. And not mm. even completely different, but more of like an expanded identity of who I am. And yeah, like that was, um, it was like frightening and it was shitty. Um, And while you mentioned, yes, we've gotten love from, you know, a lot of my community, which I was shocked with, I was really, really shocked that we would get that that much like love and support of just people sending DMs of like, oh my God, like we love it when the three of you guys are together. It's it's just so endearing. We love seeing John and Chris together and wow, this is amazing. Like, wow, thanks for showing us what healthy polyamory looks like. You know, things like that. Just things I never anticipated again and i also got some shitty ones and which was like kind of you know we knew that was going to happen um and some of those just kind of reminded me that like we have a lot of work to do as as a as a human culture to be able to help people understand their own implicit biases and help them like break apart this binary perspective of what human relationships are supposed to look like
0: yeah wow um just in in reverence and awe for the courage that the three of you have had. And i've I've been loving seeing all of your stories together. And I know that Chris and John have gone live together and they've answered questions. And it's been so awesome. This is like everyone's best case scenario for how things can turn out. And of course, that's without seeing all of the hard work that you all put in behind the scenes. You know, that's that's how you get to this place of intimacy and connection, transparency, authenticity, joy, like consideration.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so I acknowledge the three of you so much. And I'm actually really excited because I'm going to have them on the show too.
2: Yay, I can't wait. And we'll have three <laughs>
0: squares on the screen. So, oh, that'll be so fun. Really, really excited. So last two things to close us out here. One, is there anything that is on your heart that you'd like to share with those listening that I haven't asked about?
2: Mm. You know, I think like, I think the one thing that I, it's just a question actually, because when, when, when I've had people just ask me about like, well, or just like comments and like, well, what you guys are doing is like wrong or it's weird or it's just different and this isn't right or whatever. The only question I have to ask back when in, in those situations is how is my way of loving or living impacting your way of loving or living? What is that doing for you? Yeah. Has What is that doing to you in this moment? Um, because when I think about like, you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs and just our what our needs are as a human. I don't see how my way of loving is and living is impacting somebody else's in a direct way. Right. And in terms of anyone that is directly impacting, which is like my family and my kids, like every, every at least in our in our lives, everybody is like 100% acceptant of it. Mm. And if anything, everybody that has experienced like the love that me, Chris, and John have uh, amongst each other, like the the experience that they get all the time, is just fucking pure joy, because it really does shape the perspectives of their mentalities and their their beliefs that were passed down them, and and just kind of tears it apart a little bit, expands a little bit more.
0: Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think we could all stand to do with more examples of people who live their lives that allows us a space to grow and expand into a new part of ourselves, no matter what that is. Mm -hmm. So thank you. It is, Girl, it is such a pleasure to have you in my life and Mm. to jam with you, to talk big ideas. Um, Where can people find you?
2: You guys can find me uh, on all the things social at GoFitJo. That's G-O-F-I-T-E-J-O. Um, you can also follow me on my podcast, which is Hella Married. Uh, and then that's on Instagram at Hella Married. And then my website, www.gofitjo.com. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Cool. And I'm going to have all that in the show notes too. Joe, my love, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today and to hear more about your story and to get to know you in a deeper way. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode.
1: If you made it this far, it probably means that you enjoyed listening, learned a lot, and are one step closer to deeper intimacy.
0: To help couples like you discover the show and transform their lives, please consider leaving a five-star review and hitting subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at untamed We'd love to hear from you there.
1: If you want to be the first to gain access to exclusive content, practices, and tools to create untamed intimacy in your life, join our mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes. You'll receive powerfully curated content that's no bullshit and pure love.
0: And if you want to learn more about creating Untamed Intimacy in your life, then visit us at untamedintimacy.com. We see you and we appreciate you. Until next time, much love and good vibes.